And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live as always. I'm your host, Robbie Gutierrez. Here, the voice of NAI Baseball. And joining me, as always, is the man himself, the myth, the legend, the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, man, what's going on? Uh, I'm back for another week, Robbie. Glad to talk some more NAIA baseball. Definitely, definitely, definitely glad to get rolling here. Before we do, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Silverback Sports, over at ShopSilverback.com. Silverback Sports is the official sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast, the Alpha in arm care and training essentials. They have premium and durable materials for individual and team use, always available at ShopSilverback.com. That's ShopSilverback.com. It's products for the player, products for the coach. It's an NAI-owned company from a guy who's NAI-made himself. So you need to get over to ShopSilverback.com and unlock the Silverback in you. Cody, man, before we get rolling here, I want to give a quick shout to Neelan and the entire Pickle family and, you know, just anybody that's associated with that Tennessee Wesleyan baseball program knows Neyland and just what he means to that program. And coach Billy Berry has issued a challenge to college baseball teams all over the country, not just in Tennessee, but he's asking teams all over the country to wear orange over the next 30 days on Wednesdays to help support their biggest fan and a friend of his family. And basically Neyland is a member of their family. And so if you don't know Neyland, Really what's going on is is Neilan is young. He's he's eight, maybe nine now, but he's been on this show. We've talked to him with Billy Barry, and he's battling cancer. And it's it's not his first bout with cancer. And he just continues to fight. And the kid really is is just absolutely tough and is doing an incredible job fighting this illness. And he's gonna come through and and Neilan, man, if you get a chance to listen to this, if you can hear us. We're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Hold strong and keep the faith, buddy. You know, I, I I know Cody, you know, it was special to have him on last year. So we're definitely praying for him and we want nothing but the best for Neilan and his family. So shout out to everybody over at Tennessee Wesleyan. Shout out to Coach Billy Barry. Shout out to Neilan and the Pickle family. We're thinking of y'all here, not just at NAI Ball, but programs around the nation across multiple levels. Cody, man, let's get rolling here with some shout-outs and mentions. We'll start things off with the biggest shout-out, a shout-out to Coach Woody Hunt over at Cumberland, who won his 1600th game in a walk-off win over number 10 Oklahoma City. Over 3,000 victories in that game between Coach Woody Hunt and Oklahoma City head baseball coach Denny Crayball. Another cool shout-out and mention here, trailing 9-5 with two outs and nobody on in the bottom of the ninth. Number one, Tennessee Wesleyan singles, singles, doubles, walks, and then Anthony Williams hits a walk-off three-run homer to win it 10-9 over Milligan. 
a huge victory for Tennessee Wesleyan and a big-time comeback. A shout-out to Southeastern right fielder Christian Martin. Two home runs in the same inning for him, 34 as a team in 11 games. A shout-out to Lords out of Ohio. They swept a four-game series over Rio Grande, and freshman Harry Jackson hit for the cycle in his collegiate debut. He went 10 for 18 in the series. Bellevue outfielder Andrew Ishi hit for the cycle in game one with five runs batted in and then followed that up in game number two with three RBIs, including a game-tying triple in the bottom of the seventh. He went six for nine with a double, two triples, a home run, and eight RBIs, all of that happening just on Saturday. Southwest Assembly of God University's Joseph Vasquez hit a walk-off three-run homer in game one and then a walk-off Double in game two of their double header this past weekend. Want to give a mention here to Madonna starting pitcher Deion Henderson, who is absolutely filthy in their win over Oklahoma City. Six innings pitch, no runs, 10 strikeouts. We'll talk about him more a little later. A shout out to Benedictine outfielder Michael Slayton. He went eight for 10 with two doubles at a homer this weekend. This is one of the guys that's a little more under the radar in the NAI, but he's hard. You cannot miss him. I mean, it's hard to ignore because he's got a career batting average of 442 with 36 doubles and 39 home runs. And this dates back to 2017. And that's a huge batting average. You've got to give him some attention. If you have not seen Benedictine play, if you really have not kept up with them, that's the name to watch for them. The University of British Columbia starting pitcher Garrett Hawkins. Six innings pitch, no runs, and 11 strikeouts in the win on the road. And number 25, Ben Yu Mesa. Our Lady of the Lake starting pitcher Logan Garza goes six innings pitch, one hit, no runs, and 11 strikeouts versus number 17, Texas Wesleyan. 2020 so far, 23 innings pitch, a 1-1-7 ERA with 31 strikeouts. Three shutouts in a row for St. Andrews out of North Carolina and a sweep over Grace. And then we'll round things out here with Texas Wesleyan's Gabriel Sequeria. Seven innings pitch, one run, 16 strikeouts versus number seven, Bellevue. Cody, man, what really kind of stands out to you the most from the matchups this week? Well, I want to give a shout-out to Coach Hunt for winning his 1,600 game. Uh, he means so much to the NIA baseball. He means a lot to me. You know, I really appreciate my conversation with him, and I just think he's a terrific coach and a really great person. Um, I think he has an incredible son. He has multiple great sons, and he's just a great guy. So I'm really happy for him. Uh, the most impressive thing to me, I guess the game I watched was Madonna over Oklahoma City. And I was extremely impressed with Deion Henderson. You know, I think he's a real stud. Uh, to see what he did to that lineup, see his success against a guy like Tyler Williams, and I think Deion Henderson's probably a guy that's in the running for the WAC Pitcher of the Year. You know, he's a he's a draft arm out of high school. He's just legit. I, I want to say he was a 27th rounder. He's a big-time arm, and it's a big-time get for, for Madonna and, and Coach Ted Faulkner, and I think some really great things can happen for Madonna with this guy on the mound and and he's dangerous. He's dangerous. So I'm excited to see what he does and what he has the rest of the season. Speaking of matchups, let's get into our weekly recap of last weekend. Let's take a look at things here. The biggest series and events from this past weekend, Tennessee Wesleyan goes two and one versus Indiana tech and Milligan. Their lone loss was to Indiana tech. St. Thomas university goes two and zero versus Kaiser. The third game was suspended due to darkness and will be made up. USAO went 4-0 this weekend versus Friends and Hastings. Southeastern University sweeps Thomas. 
And that third game basically was the equivalent of a Big 12 football game score-wise there. Texas Wesleyan, Bellevue, and Our Lady of Lake all go 2-2 two and two versus each other this weekend in Fort Worth. Oklahoma City University on the weekend finished 1-3 and three versus Madonna and Cumberland. LSU Shreveport in our biggest series of the week went 3-1 and one versus Lyon. A huge series victory for them, and it's going to get a little bit tougher this weekend as well. Westmont takes 3-4 from William Jessup. Talladega wins the series versus Middle Georgia State. Two games to one. Ben Mesa and the University of British Columbia Canada's team splits with Ben Mesa two games apiece. Brian goes 3-1 and one versus Campbellsville and William Carey. St. Catharines wins the series 3-1 over the University of Antelope Valley. And then, Cody, kind of something cool here. We had the first-ever Rube Foster Classic, which was held at the Royals Urban Youth Academy, named after the Hall of Famer Rube Foster on the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And the results were this. Olivet Nazarene went 0-4. Tabor 1-3. Briarcliff 1-3. Harris Stowe State went one and two, Missouri Baptist one and one, Bethany one and one, Baker two and two, Ottawa out of Kansas two and zero, Avila two and zero, Mid American Nazarene two and zero, and then Central Methodist University went three and zero. Cody, man, this past weekend was some really great series. We had some really good events. We had a lot of, you know, try matches, a good tournament in the Rube Foster Classic. And then we had some series that kind of jumped up and, and caught us by surprise. Tell me what surprised you the most from this past weekend. Well, I would say the most surprising thing to me would probably be Westmont going on the road 400 miles and uh, really dominating that series at William Jessup, a team that, you know, is the defending conference champion. I was extremely impressed with Westmont's a good bounce back. They played a really tough schedule and, uh, you know, their ticket to the tournament is just to win the GSAC. So what a great start for them. I had my eyes on Shreveport at Lyon. That was our big series of the week. I watched all of those games. My takeaway, some of the players I was really impressed with, Peyton Robertson, he went 7 for 17, had a double, a home run, and six RBIs. Catcher Ryan Ray, 6 for 14, three doubles, and seven RBIs. And then relief pitcher Nathan Arroyo, he was great in two appearances. Five innings pitched, no runs, 10 strikeouts, got a win. Um, I just thought Shreveport's really impressive. This was their toughest test to date, and they passed it. Uh, so pass off to them. And a final shout-out to St. Catherine. Antelope Valley has won that conference two years in a row, and for you to take that series three or four, I know it doesn't count for conference, but it's still the team. I mean, you played the team and you beat the team. So I just think that's huge for them. They're off to a great start. I definitely think that that's big for St. Catherine. You know, that's that's a series that gives you some morale, some boost. It, that's definitely going to add to your feeling of, we can do this, especially in a team that's in their first year of NAI eligibility, and say, hey, we just took out the team that's, tops in our conference especially for the last two years and being able to win that Cal Pack I think it's huge overall I think as far as what happened around the nation LSU Shreveport taking three of four from Lyon is is absolutely big time and then a shout out to all the teams in the Midwest some of the best teams in the Midwest going to play at the Royals Urban Youth Academy in that first ever Rube Foster Classic definitely was a great tournament with a lot of ball games being played I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that happening more often in the NAI and being able to get all these teams in one location and go through it. And who knows, maybe one day, Cody, we'll have our own NAI ball invitational somewhere, which would be pretty freaking cool. So we'll keep moving here with the NAI ball players of the week. 
We would like to congratulate our NAI Ball Pitcher of the Week, Southeastern University starting pitcher Bryce Mulcahy. Carried a no-hitter into the ninth, went eight and a third innings pitch with a no-hitter on the road at Conference Fro Thomas. Finished off the ninth inning with a complete game, 10 strikeouts on the year so far, 18 innings pitch, one ERA, and 26 strikeouts. I definitely thought he was going to do it, Cody. I thought he was going to get that no-hitter. I was actually texting you the entire time that there is something really cool going on in Thomasville, Georgia. Unfortunately, just just the way baseball works, wasn't able to get the no-hitter, but still got a nine-inning complete game with 10 strikeouts and was dominant in that game. And then our NAI Ball Podcast Player of the Week, our hitter is Clark second baseman Juan Lopez, who went nine for 11 with two doubles, a triple, a home run, and eight RBIs. So far in 2020, Lopez is hitting 545 with five doubles, a triple, two home runs, and 18 RBIs. And then how about Clark? They open up 9-1 and one on the season. They got a huge series coming up with number 12, LSU Shreveport, this weekend, and definitely a chance to make an impact for Clark and make some noise in the nation if they could knock off Shreveport. And then Shreveport, another great test. Cody, what are your thoughts really quickly on our NAI Ball Podcast Players of the Week? I mean, when you told me about the something special, so I tuned in, obviously, and, uh, you know, disappointed. We don't root for teams on this, but anytime anyone's that close to a no-hitter, we're going to, you know, pull for that young man. Uh, he ended up giving up the double, you know, with two outs to go, uh, but he calmed down, pitched well after that. He was great. Terrific start. I, you know, bump, he didn't get the no-hitter, but a terrific start, and he's really been the ace of their staff, so I've really been impressed with him, and there's a lot of, just a ton of buzz around some kids on that staff, and you know, he stepped up this year and proved to be the ace so far. Clark, second baseman Juan Lopez, has just been really unstoppable so far. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. He's hit over 500 in every series this year. And I'm excited to see what he does against Shreveport. You know, Shreveport's been rolling this season. So it'll be interesting to see what Clark can do. You know, they play in Shreveport, probably the best team they're going to play in a long time. Definitely interested to see what that looks like. So again, we want to congratulate our NAI Ball podcast. Pitcher of the Week, Southeastern University starting pitcher Bryce Mulcahy. And then our NAI Ball Podcast, Hitter of the Week, Clark, second baseman Juan Lopez. So before we get into our series to watch, we're going to do our player spotlight this week. And we've got two fantastic players joining us. And first and foremost, joining us on the NAI Ball Podcast will be our Hitter Spotlight take it now to Southeastern University outfielder Zach Cornell. Joining us now on the NAI Ball podcast out of Southeastern University, it's outfielder Zach Cornell. In 11 games played, Cornell is hitting 5-11 with 23 hits, 5 home runs, and 18 RBIs. A hot start to the season for Zach Cornell. Zach, man, thank you for joining Cody and I here on the NAI Ball podcast brought to you by Silverback Sports. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you all for having me on the show. Hey, we're really excited to have you as our hitter spotlight. This is something that we have not done in a year. So Cody and I are definitely excited to bring this back, talk to players, and really kind of get insight into how they prepare, not just for games, but for the entire season. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what's kind of like your your routine for yourself, whether it's just practice or pregame that really sets you up 
for how you're going into those matchups? What do you really think about? How do you get your mind right? Well, the biggest thing for me, especially with batting practice before, you know, a game or whatever, is really focusing on driving the ball into the opposite field gap. Um, I'm a firm believer on if you can really drive the ball with some backspin into that gap, that's when your swing is at its best. That's when it's the most compact. That's when you can really do whatever you want at the plate because, you know, there's a lot of guys that I know that their whole mentality is to try and hit the ball out of the park. And, you know, when they struggle at the plate or whatever that may be, they have nothing to really fall back on. Whenever I'm, you know, struggling or whatever, I can always go back to that swing of, hey, I'm really just trying to hit a line drive over the shortstop into the left center gap. That's when I know my swing's at its best. Zach, why do you think you're so good at hitting? I mean, you hit 400 in 27 or 2018. You hit 420 in 2019. I mean, you're obviously going to probably hit 400 again this year. Like, what do you think makes you better than the competition? I mean, point blank period, you're one of the best we have in our game. Well, first off, I'm, <clears throat> I'm flattered that you would even say that. Um, I think it goes back to that mentality. You know, it's, it's funny because my freshman year when I came into the NAIA, you know, uh, all I worried about was trying to hit bombs and hit the ball as far as possible. And that ended up having me start the first two series. And then I got benched for the rest of the year, you know, so I knew I had to make a change. And when I changed my approach to just trying to hit the ball as hard as possible, that's really what did it for me. You know, and as my game has evolved throughout the years from sophomore, junior, senior, my power numbers have continued to increase because I've been able to find more out about my swing in general and just really find my game. You know, like I, I don't even classify myself as a power hitter at all. It's just I find myself as a really high contact guy, put the ball in play. And, you know, if I generate backspin, that's when that's when the ball is really leaves the yard and I hit, you know, extra base hits and everything like that. So, again, we're being joined by Southeastern University outfielder Zach Cornell, number four on Baseball America's top NAI prospects. Zach, you know, what what's the next part of your game that, that you think you really work on the most? Obviously, we could sit here all day and talk about approach, talk about you know, what you're looking with runners in scoring position. We could talk about all of that stuff, but where do you feel that the next part of your game that you have to work the hardest on is? What are you working on every day to get better at? Well, the biggest thing right now is base running. Um, that's, that's something that this year I've really made an emphasis on um, to really try and steal some bags, try and you know, get the offense rolling because that hasn't really been an emphasis for me over the last few years. And thankfully I have coaches that really help me strive to be the best player that I can be. And, you know, I, I got to give a shout out to my coach, coach Mendoza, you know, he works on base running with us all the time. And he's really the one that's, that's helped and push me to be the most complete player as possible. So, you know, we work on base running all the time and especially stealing bases. So that's the biggest part of my game that I'm working on currently. Zach, what was your goal entering this season? Obviously you're at a new school coming in with all American expectations. What was the goal for yourself this season? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is going to sound, I guess, ridiculous, but the biggest thing for me, especially my senior year is just to have fun. I mean, that's, that's really been my biggest goal. Um, I've always, you know, there've been times before where I've been worried about stats or worried about, you know, how I'm doing and it's just caused me to press more at the plate. You know, this is my senior year and everything. And, 
as long as I'm having fun on that baseball field, because I don't know what's going to happen after this year, as long as I'm having, having fun, um, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about this year. And that's my main goal. And obviously the main goal for the team is to win the world series. And I definitely think we've got enough ability, enough talent and the coaching staff to do so. Zach, your first experience in Sun Conference play, and, and anybody who knows me, follows me on Twitter, listens to the podcast, knows that I am the biggest proponent of Sun Conference baseball. You know, I'll, I'll often say the SEC of NAI baseball, as far as collegiate baseball goes, it's, I think, the toughest conference in the nation. It's the conference where you're going to see the most velo and really see some great baseball. Your first season in the Sun Conference you know, and, and you open up with Thomas and you go back and forth in that game three. Has it kind of matched that expectation there? You still have a lot of really good teams to play in that conference with St. Thomas, Kaiser, you know, and, and a lot of these teams. Oh, I'm absolutely excited. You know, um, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you got to play the best to be the best. You know, if, if this team really wants to go and, and win what we want to, we want if we want to win, you know, the World Series, we've got to be the best prepared as possible and being able and fortunate enough to play, you know, some of these top arms and some of these top teams, it really sets us, sets us up well, you know, to succeed once we get into the postseason, once we get into the regionals and, and once we, you know, if we make it to Lewiston. So I'm really looking forward to it. And obviously, you know, the, the Southern States conference, that was an unbelievable conference as well with Faulkner and Mobile and some of these other teams. So, I've just been really blessed over the last four years to be a part of it. And that it's just, it's amazing. I mean, you've obviously had a decorated career so far with a big season to come. What's been your favorite moment so far? What would you say is maybe your, not maybe your best game, your best moment uh, that you've enjoyed in college so far? Well, the biggest thing that the biggest moment that comes to comes to my mind was my sophomore year at middle Georgia state. We lost early in the conference tournament and we were down and we, we had to play in the loser's bracket for a while and we just battled back. You know, we won game after game and I can't remember how many games we played in a row, but I think we were getting close to five in a row over two or three days. And it really just clicked because everyone on the team was pulling in one, one direction. That's the, that's what I loved most about it. And we, we just got hot and we ended up winning the conference tournament after losing I think the second game in that tournament. So we had to really just battle back. And, and it was just a great experience just seeing a group of guys really fight hard together. And that's what I love. That was my favorite moment so far in, uh, in college so far. So, Zach, man, we, we don't want to keep you too long. We want to let you go here. But really quickly, anybody you want to give a shout out, anybody who's helped you along the way that you just want to thank really quick? Oh, for sure. Um, especially this year. I mean, I, shout out to my – my coaches, you know, they've, they found some things in my game and, and my swing and everything that they've helped me correct and try and just be the best player that I can be. I also shout out to all my players on Southeastern, you know, like we're, we're a team, you know, this is a team sport and I can't do anything without them. The biggest, the biggest people that I have to give a shout out to are my parents. You know, they, they've done so much for me throughout the years and they've got me to this position. Well, Zach, man, we definitely want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to talk with us and, and sit down with us for a little bit and give us a little bit more insight into your game and what makes you, you and our first NAI ball player spotlight of the year brought to you by Silverback Sports. Zach, man, have a great night. and Thanks for talking with us. 
yeah, thank you all so much. You know, I've listened to you all for, for the last four years, and you you all have done so much for NAIA baseball, bringing it to the spotlight that it is right now, and hopefully we can continue to make it grow. So thank you all. A big thanks to Zach for joining us on the podcast. Best of luck the rest of the season for you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our pitcher spotlight. Let's turn it over to Columbia starting pitcher, Chris Wall. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, all the way from Missouri at Columbia College, is starting pitcher Chris Wall, who enters the season with zero ERA, a 3-0 record in three starts, one combined shutout, 15 innings pitch. He's allowed just three hits on the year, has struck out 34 opposing batters in the 58 he has faced, and there is an opponent average of 0. 0.0. Six four against him, Chris. Man, thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Chris. I want to take you back to last year in what was an incredible performance in the AMC tournament against Missouri Baptist. You go nine innings pitch, one hit, two walks, fifteen strikeouts against MoBap in a seven nothing win, but. Take me through the, just the process that you go through as a pitcher throwing a no-hitter late into the game. Obviously, unfortunately, you know, you just allow the, the one hit, but take me through the thought process of what you're thinking and then knowing you cannot solely think about that. Right, right. Um, you know, uh, we were in the conference tournament, and the whole – my goal was, was to uh, – get in there and and get a w get a win for the team so you know um i was locked in i was focused i was executing all my pitches i had realized it probably the the fifth or sixth inning that i had a no-no going but um you know by that time we were probably up five or six zero you know just i took it pitch by pitch um whenever i gave up the hit you know it is what it is i got i got the win like i said but um it was a fun game i was uh wasn't too emotional about it, but I knew uh, I had seven guys behind me that were going to do anything that they possibly could to help me get my no-hitter, and they did. So, you know, it is what it is, but like I said, um, it's a really good win in, in late spring baseball. Chris, man, I want to talk to you just about how awesome you've been in your career. 145 innings pitched, 2.76 ERA, 198 strikeouts. When we look at this year, you've struck out 34 batters in 15 innings. You've only allowed three hits and three starts or 3-0. and I mean, what's clicking right now in 2020? Because, I mean, you've been sensational. Right. You know, um, you know, I, I ended the season last year doing pretty well, and I wanted to pick up this year right where I left off. And I, I think I've done, done that so far, but um, – you know, I treat I treat every start um, the same way. I my preparation. Um, you know, I have a every day I'm doing something to prepare for my next start. So, you know, it's a it's a day by day process. It's a pitch by pitch process. Uh, you know, drill work, uh, band work. You know, stretching and whatnot. It that all goes into it. So, you know, I'm executing everything I possibly can every single day to have a have a good start. And it's just uh, it's working out so far. Chris, take me through a little bit of you know, the game, what a game day is like for you, how you prepare yourself. I mean, pitchers are, are different, man. They're weird. I know firsthand, like take me through what your pregame process is leading up to a start, whether it's on the road or at home, you can take me through either one. You can take me through both, 
but what separates you from everybody else? What do you do a little bit differently, whether it's, you know, the choice of music or, or how, how you start warming up when you start warming up, really, what do you do to get in really in a rhythm? You know, that's a great question. And I, I like how you, how you mentioned that pictures are weird because we are weird. And I, I admit that I am weird as well. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty fun guy. Uh, when, when I'm not, uh, starting that day, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm relaxed my start days. Um, my teammates know that, that I like to get locked in. So they kind of give me my space either at home or on the road, but my routines, you know, pretty much the same, you know, I, I wake up in the morning, um, eat a good breakfast, get some stretches in and, you know, then I wait until about an hour, 15, hour, 30 minutes before, before my start. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty routine deal. I have, um, some mobility stuff I do for my hips, my back, um, some range of motion stuff I do for my joints and whatnot, you know, full body stress and dynamic warm up. Um, you know, I'm weird in the aspect of I start stretching with some shorts on. And then when I'm like a third through my, through my stretches, I'll change into pants with my turfs and I'll play catch just in the dry fit instead of my Jersey. And then when I truly get locked in and I start doing my band work and my, my weighted ball work, that's when I, I change to my uniform and uh, head down to the bullpen and play maybe a little bit of long toss. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty routine deal for me. And um, I think that's what also helps me succeed is everything that I do is routine. Um, it's organized, and it keeps me, it keeps me on track for my goals. Well, let's talk about that. You're a junior right now, I mean, which is awesome. You know, you have a couple of years left of eligibility and you're pitching. You're probably peaking at your best right now. I mean, you're looking as good as ever. What are your goals for this season? And uh, what's it like being a Columbia Cougar? How do you like that? Oh, I, I love Columbia College. I love being a Columbia Cougar. I'm, I'm surrounded by, by fantastic people um, on campus, um, you know, other coaches here. I'm surrounded by uh, fantastic teammates. Um, fantastic you know my coaches are fantastic you know there's a there's a lot of freedom and trust that goes into this program and you know that's that's extremely extremely helpful for my for my success but it's it's great to be a Columbia Cougar and what would you say your goals are for yourself this season and your goals as a team uh some person you know my goals for myself you know I like I said I, I prep every start and my goal is to get a win every time or give my give my team a chance to win every single time I'm on the mound. So and that's the end goal for the team too. I mean, number one stat line that I look at is wins and losses. And that's that's with our program. So, you know, our our goals are to um, compete, win out the uh the AMC and then head the national tournament. I mean that's that's the goal every year. Uh we made a punch at it last year and um you know, we're, we're off to a hot start and we're ready to get back after it this year. Chris, kind of take me, you know, is there, when you're pitching, I, I don't exactly know how it works at Columbia. Do, do they give you free control? Is there some, some trust there between you and your catcher? Are the pitches coming from a, from a coach? Where do the pitches come from for you on game day? Um, there, like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a lot of freedom and there's a lot of trust in our program. So um, I have a fantastic catcher, Kenny Piper. He, He's a great baseball player and he has a great baseball mind. So 
coach leaves it up to us to call to call you know call our own game. And um, the big aspect in that is Kenny knows my arsenal. Um, like I said, he has a great baseball mind, and I trust what I throw. So whatever he puts down, pretty much, I, you know, I trust it. I trust him. I trust myself, and uh, we work really well together. How important is that to have that trust between? you know, yourself and that catcher. I mean, the, the dynamic of it just has to be different, especially in a crunch situation. I can imagine that being able to trust what your, what your backstop is putting down is, is just an incredible feeling. Well, I mean, you said it yourself, it, uh, it's a lot of trust that goes into it. And, um, really Kenny and I, we, he called me all last year and he's catching me. I would like to say every game this year, every game so far this year, um, you know, I trust him. He trusts me, and I think that's that's one of the most important aspects in, in a battery is trust itself. So, I mean, that I think that has plenty to do with the success for me and and for our team. Hey, last but not least, anybody you want to give a shout out to? Anybody you want to uh, thank, or, or really who's helped you along the way and and helped you be successful? because you're having one heck of an NAI career so far. And, you know, it's, it's been incredible to really keep up with your numbers this season. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, um, of course. You know, I had, I had a, I'm a redshirt junior, I, a medical redshirt junior. I had Tommy John surgery as a senior in high school. You know, first of all, I'd like to thank Dr. Paletta out of St. Louis. You know, he, he fixed me up and I feel great. Um, coming back from surgery, I, you know, Coach Mons, our head coach, um, also our pitching coach, you know, he's helped me in so many different ways that I can't even I can't even list them out for you. And then um, I'd also like to thank a guy that I trained with back home um, with Ace Baseball Development. His name is Adam Jansen. He's helped me um, just just a lot a lot coming back from surgery. And I, you know, I still work with these guys, and you know, they put everything that they can into helping me. And I can't thank them enough. Chris, man, we want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and really kind of giving us an insight into your game and your routine. And, and you know, it's not just NAI guys that, that listen to this, but it's going to be the high school kid that's looking for a place to play that's going to listen to you and your routine and think, okay, you know, he's got his own set way. There's no one set way. Everybody's got a set way for themselves. I need to find mine. I mean, it's going to help people down the road. So, Definitely want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and joining us here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Again, Chris Wall has been our guest, and he is at Columbia College having an absolutely incredible season. So if you're in that area, if you have not watched them yet, you need to catch a game and check Chris out. Chris, man, thank you for taking some time out of your day and talking with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, and um, I appreciate it very much. So a big thanks to Columbia College starting pitcher Chris Wall and, of course, the Southeastern University outfielder Zach Cornell for joining us and being part of our first player spotlights in well over a year, something that we're going to be looking forward to doing more often and and definitely want to highlight some of the players from around the nation, both of those guys having incredible starts to the season. Cody, man, games and series to watch. A lot going on this weekend. LSUS versus Clark. Lewis Clark State versus British Columbia, Kaiser versus Weber, Indiana Southeast versus Huntington, Bryan will take on IU Kokomo, Jamestown versus Columbia, Wayland Baptist Sterling, Bethel out of Tennessee, and Olivet Nazarene, Mobile versus LSU Alexandria, and then Georgetown, Indiana Wesleyan. What are you going to be watching 
throughout this weekend? Well, there's some individual matchups I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, British Columbia pitcher Garrett Hawkins, I'm looking to see how he does against that Lewis Clark State lineup. You know, LC lineup's getting a little bit better. They're getting healthier. You know, they can have some players that they were expecting to have early on. They have back now. So I'll be looking forward to that matchup. And then I think Indiana Southeast in Huntington, that's always a really good matchup. I kind of know where Indiana Southeast is. I've been watching them play a little bit this year. Uh, I haven't got the privilege to see Huntington, so I'm looking forward to see what Huntington looks like against a quality opponent. I will definitely be checking out, of course, I mean, how could you not expect me to check out some of Kaiser and Weber, as well as LCSC versus British Columbia, and then you absolutely have to keep an eye on LSUS and Clark. I think Clark really holds the upper hand there in being able to control their destiny. You want to be ranked in the top 25, you want to get that, you're going to have to go into Shreveport and and do some damage. And so you control your own destiny. For Shreveport, if you can continue doing what you're doing, it's just going to look better on your resume. I think Shreveport is a lot better than what they're ranked right now. And so I think we should see them higher up in the next poll, but they have to survive Clark first. I'm also interested in Jamestown and Columbia. I want to see what our boy Chris Wall, who was just on the show, will be able to do in that series. And then Wayland Baptist. I mean, how can you not want to watch Luis Vargas in that series versus Sterling? Cody, it's now time for our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week, and we're going to do things a little bit different this week. We've only got one NAI versus NAI matchup this week as a Big Series of the Week. First, we've got something a little bit different. It's going to be Southeastern University versus the Detroit Tigers. That matchup happening on Friday from Joker Marchant Stadium at Publix Field. The Fire will take on the Tigers for the second year in a row. Last season, Detroit won the game 13-2. But after six and a half innings, the Fire and the Tigers were actually tied at two. Last year, Southeastern University was able to push across one run on three hits versus Tigers' number one prospect and former number one overall pick, Casey Mize. In last season's game, SCU also faced the number eight prospect, Daz Cameron, number seven prospect, Jake Rogers, and the number 18 prospect, Kyle Funkhauser. For Southeastern University, the standout was Abdel Guadalupe, who went two for three with two RBIs and a triple. Cody, we both watched this game. Southeastern actually had a chance to take a lead late in the game. Obviously, Adrian Dinkle's not going to go out and throw nothing but weekend guys. He's going to give everybody an opportunity to play. But it was still pretty cool to see Southeastern University not just do damage against former number one overall pick and Tigers' current number one prospect, according to MLB.com, Casey Mize. It was, I mean, awesome to see them be in that game battling and competing. What were your thoughts as you kind of watched that game happen in last year from Joker Marchant? You know, I was excited like you. You know, I saw our boy Guadalupe triple. I was pumped. Um, it was a good experience. But I'm going to be even more excited when they beat the Tigers on Friday. I'm calling my shot. You know, I think Southeastern's <laughs> going to win. Um, I think they're going to control the game. And, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of upset Detroit people because roll fire. I mean, if if Southeastern, if that happens, and we, we know it's a long shot. I mean, obviously it's happened before. Uh, D2 Tampa beat the Phillies a few years ago. It can happen. And if you're an AI guy and you're not rooting for Southeastern, there's something wrong there. Like you, you have this awesome opportunity. And how many times do we as NAI players from programs, not just the big blue blood programs or the programs that have success, 
every single program go, I want an opportunity at that team, or I wish that team would play us. And Southeastern's got something really cool here. And I know Adrian Dinkle will give everybody an opportunity to play. And at the same time, that team's pretty loaded. So everybody's going to have an opportunity to play, and that team's going to compete to the best of their ability. I'm excited to see them compete against an up-and-coming farm system and against one of the top prospects. I'm assuming Casey Mize be back out there. I assume Kyle Funkhauser would be back out there. Those are guys' names that you remember from D1 college baseball as big-time names. Kyle Funkhauser at Louisville, you know, and then Casey Mize out of Auburn. So I'm definitely interested to see how Southeastern University plays against the Tigers. I'm excited for those guys. I wish we could be there because that is going to be an awesome opportunity. If you're in Lakeland and you're listening to this and you're a student at Southeastern, go and support your team. Go and support your team and and get to watch a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and, and see your school take on Major League Baseball players. Speaking of opportunities, Faulkner on Friday will host NCAA Division I Eastern Illinois and a great opportunity for Faulkner to showcase for the NAI. Eastern Illinois will begin the season 0-3 as they head into Montgomery, Alabama after being swept by Arkansas. Last season, EIU went 26-30 and and 2-1 versus NAI competition, which included a loss to Robert Morris, Chicago. Now, Cody, obviously since 2012, Faulkner has been the biggest name, has been all over the map, has been returning to Lewiston, death taxes, and Faulkner to the World Series. But this is definitely going to be an interesting one because Eastern Illinois, you and I expect Eastern Illinois to throw their Friday night starter, their big name dude against them. And he is coming off of a start against an Arkansas team. That's, that's going to probably be, it's, you know, at least talked about to go to Omaha. That was pretty good for a mid major. Yeah. Will Klein is the real deal. Uh, if you don't know Eastern Illinois, I like to say they're 26 and 30, but that 30 didn't come from their Friday night guy. Uh, Will Klein is an absolute dude. He's 96 to 99. Uh, he's the number one rated draft prospect out of the Ohio Valley Conference. He was the number three rated prospect out of the Northwoods League. Uh, he's the real deal. I know Faulkner's hoping they throw him. They they have two D1 games against Alabama State and Oakland uh, the next two days. So we don't know for sure if he's going to go. But it'll be a heck of a test for Faulkner if he does. I mean, because he has a heavy fastball. Yeah, I'm, I'd actually prefer it if, if Will Klein pitched. I mean, I'd like to see Faulkner go against the very best that Eastern Illinois has to offer. And at the same time, Eastern Illinois is going to want to face the very best that Faulkner has to offer. And they do have two games after that versus Oakland University and Alabama State, who are D1 opponents as, you know, they get ready for more games down the road. But, you know, I know alumni in the past from Faulkner who have told us they want to play D1 teams. You know, alumni in the past from Faulkner have told us they want to play D1 teams. They want to play the big name teams. They just want that opportunity. They just want that shot. They just want to play somebody in D1 here it is. Here it is right here. And so, again, if you're an NAI guy and you're not rooting for Faulkner, something's wrong. You know, that's that's going to be something that we want to see Faulkner compete. We would expect uh, Antonio Frias to be on the mound for that one. And he has been really good, not just this season, but in his time at Faulkner and at the NAI level. So we're going to look forward to that matchup Friday. That's another one that Cody and I will be watching. 
And then last but not least, our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week is the Masters and Hope International. For the Masters, they're off to a good start in the year going 12-3. and They'll face off HIU in their second GSAC series. Offensively, Tyler Van Marder is one of the good bats in the lineup for the Masters. 310 as a team, but Van Marder hitting 383, 18 hits, 8 of those for extra base hits, and he's got a team leading 14 RBIs. On the mound, the Masters has a staff that has thrown well, a staff ERA of 2.98. Leading the charge is Aiden Stout, who has four starts, a 3-0 record, a .51, that's 0.51 ERA in 17 and two-thirds innings pitch, 22 strikeouts, and just three walks. For Hope International, they start league play 3-1. Sets up a big matchup this weekend with the Masters. Robert Matai has a team high in average hits in RBIs. He's currently hitting 429 in 12 games with 18 hits and 10 RBIs on the bump. Two standouts have been really good for Hope International this year in Isaac Guerrero and Israel Fuentes. Fuentes has a 1.80 ERA in 10 innings pitch with 20 strikeouts, while Guerrero holds a 1.26 ERA in 14 innings pitch with 17 punch outs. Cody, I think this is going to be a really good head-to-head matchup and showcase baseball on the West Coast in the NAI very well. And these are two three and one programs in the GSAC fighting for not just position but supremacy in a conference that it just seems like towards the end of the year is going to be wide open and anybody can take the reins. So all of these games matter. Absolutely. The GSAC feels super wide open this year. Um, you look at, you know, last couple of years, William Jessup's had some dominant teams. Uh, the years before that, the Masters was dominant and Westmont was dominant. This year kind of feels like a lot of people are, you know, near that upper tier. Like there's going to be a lot of people. It's really hard to predict the winner in that conference anyway, but it feels harder than ever this year. Uh, you look at the Masters and Hope International, two really respected programs. Both these teams made the NAIA World Series in 2017. Um, the Masters have been there twice in the last six years. Uh, two really good teams. Uh, we know Hope International is a newer school. They've played 17 times. The Masters has won 10. They're 10 and 7. I mean, if you look at the last 10 meetings between these two teams, uh, the Masters is up 6 to 4. So this has been a really competitive series. Two really talented programs. I mean, you look at what the Masters two draft guys last year, and uh, I just think this is a really good matchup. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, who's the better of the two because I really don't know. I definitely think it'll be a great matchup. I think, you know, the GSAC just it's it's so dog eat dog. I'm I'm excited to see that one and really who can take over a top spot in the GSAC conference and place themselves with a little bit of an edge as we head further in to the season. So Cody man, before we get rolling, baseball America top prospects number 10 to number one. Let's get at it right now with number 10, Robert Turan a right-handed pitcher out of St. Thomas University in Miami Gardens, Florida. Number nine, we talked about him earlier. Left-handed pitcher out of Madonna University in Michigan, it's Dion Henderson. Number eight is another St. Thomas University guy, a right-handed pitcher in Murphy Andrew. Number seven, the closer out of Westmont College in California, right-handed pitcher Bailey Reed. Number six, out of the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma, left-handed pitcher Colton Williams. Number five, right-handed pitcher at a Southeastern University, Al Pesto. Number four, outfielder out of Southeastern University and joined us earlier in the podcast, Zach Cornell. 
Number three is an infielder out of Georgia Gwinnett, Gabe Howe. The number two overall prospect in the NAI is an outfielder out of Oklahoma City University, Tyler Williams. And then the number one overall prospect is Ryan Garcia, a right-handed pitcher out of Southeastern University. Cody, quickly, give me some thoughts here. I mean, there's just so many players on this list that honestly jump out to me. Uh, Tyler Williams, we talk about him all the time. An absolute dude. Talk about Oklahoma City having a bad weekend. He still hit two absolute bombs there this weekend. Uh, just stupid power. The dude is crazy good offensively. Uh, we, know, we mentioned it before. He's one of the top prospects coming out of high school in Arizona. Went to Arizona State. Did fairly well there. For whatever reason, ended up at Oklahoma City, and he has been a blessing. We talked with Zach Cornell. We had him on the show. We're not being biased. Uh, and talked with Coach Mendoza earlier this year, and he told me that he thought Cornell could be the best player in the country. And it's not a surprise. I mean, look at the guys hitting north of 500. He's in a lineup with so much talent. You can't really pitch around him. And I just think he's flourishing there. He's done incredible. And I think he's a guy that has all the tools. For myself, you know, guys that that I kind of want to go into a little bit further detail. Murphy Andrew, St. Thomas University, absolutely lights up the radar gun. That's a guy that's going to be mid to high 90s, has touched, you know, the, that high 90s number more than once a lot of fire. And then I know somebody's going to say, but Brian Garcia, not the quickest start out of the box this year, but that's a guy who has all the tools to be the top prospect in the NAI. He's just got to figure it out on the mound. And when he gets going, it's going to get ugly for whoever's facing him in the box. So if he can find that rhythm, if he can find that place that he should be in, that we expect him to be in of the kind of prospect that he is, that opportunity for him to be a draft guy is going to be huge because of where that fastball sits, because of, you know, obviously needs to work a little bit on the control side, needs to work a little bit on, you know, just finding that rhythm. But if he can find that place, he's going to be really, really good. Gabe Hal is a guy with professional experience that's going to be incredible. Al Pesto, a D1 transfer that can hit that high-velocity mark as well. You look at this entire list – These are guys that should get drafted. Colton Williams is incredible. He's not going to light up that radar gun. He's going to sit 89 to 91. But guess what? He's got more than one pitch that's plus. And then at the same time, he's going to be able to dot those pitches on the black where he wants them consistently. I just think, Cody, that, that this is... And a lot can change. We plan on coming out with another list of our own in the midseason, and then, of course, at the end of the year, closer to draft time. But I think right now, with the information that we were able to have access to and read and to learn about these guys, this is a good list of, of 10 players, and obviously, guys will shift up and down. This is not a set-in-stone list, as somebody, I'm sure, will uh, send us a message. But guys will move up and down, and as the season wears on, We're going to be adding players. We're going to be taking guys off. This list will shift, but to start the year, I think these are 10 of the best baseball players in the country. Absolutely. I mean, I think all of these players are dudes. I mean, you look at some of these players, and if you would add them to any team in the country, they would be starters. Like you talk about Colton Williams not having the velocity. He's 19-0 in the NAIA. Last time last year, they beat Tennessee Wesleyan. He went six innings, two earned runs. Um, He absolutely dominated Lewis Clark State, and he did that Saturday night with a packed crowd. Colton Williams is a stud. I mean, all the guy does is a win. He strikes out a ton, and he's a really great pitcher. Bailey Reed, you know, we had Coach Rees on earlier this year, talked about him, and he's a guy that throws the ball 95, 96 miles an hour. He's just a great shutdown guy. So I think every single one of these players are just sensational. 
Absolutely agree to that. Cody, man, before we get rolling, any final thoughts about this week? What's going on? Obviously, a packed week for us, a lot to watch. Southeastern University versus the Tigers. You got to watch that, as well as Faulkner versus Eastern Illinois. And then our final big series of the week, which is the Masters and Hope International. Cody, final thoughts really quickly here. Yeah, I'll be definitely watching the Masters Hope International. I'm looking forward to that one. Like I said, I just don't know. And watching the GSAC, they get their games rolling early. This is a great early on series. And like I said earlier, Southeastern is going to beat Detroit Tigers. I don't even think they're going to need a save. They're going to have some distance out there. So probably four or five run win. And then Faulkner is going to beat uh, Eastern Illinois. Antonio Frias is going to shut down Eastern Illinois. And Faulkner is going to win that game. And we're going to get all excited about it on Twitter. And you're not going to be able to stop our shine. So there you go. Really quickly, give me a Southeastern versus Detroit final score. Nine to five. It would would Detroit score in a couple of runs late? You know, probably nine to three most of the game. I'm digging it. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ahead and go eight to two Southeastern University all over it. As always, this is the NAI Ball Podcast. You can reach Cody at NAI Ball. You can reach myself, your host, Robbie Gutierrez, at Rob G1063 on Twitter to talk some NAI baseball. We're always looking to talk. Any information you have, if your coaches get in touch with us, as always, we're always willing to talk. And a shout-out and a thank you to everybody out there who works with us on a daily basis. That'll do it for us this week. Keep up with NAI Ball on Twitter for all of your scores and news and stats from around the nation. This is the best small college baseball podcast in the nation, bar none, looking at UD3 podcasts. NAI Ball coming at you every single week right here via iTunes, via SoundCloud, and then also every single day on Twitter, 365, we're talking NAI baseball. That'll do it for us this week. Until next time, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.